Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 11 of the Camino Voice. On this episode, I speak to the owner of the Bait Cafe here on Camino Island at Camino Commons, Jesse Childress. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode. On this episode, Jesse and I dive into a lot of the background behind hamburgers. And it was really fascinating to me as someone who is a huge fan of hamburgers and cheeseburgers and any sort of burger um, to hear some of the history behind how they got started and why Jesse creates the burgers he does and why he tries to limit customization on those burgers. Um, So we dive into all of that plus more. Um, So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Jesse Childress. Hey Islanders, it's Brandon with the Camino Voice, and today I'm here with the owner of the Bait Cafe on Camino Island, Jesse Childress. Welcome to the show. Thank you. That's way too energetic, <laughs> by the way. But uh, hi. All right. So before we get started, um, tell us a little bit about Jesse. Uh, you know, I'd say there's not much, but there's probably more than that. But. Uh, I'm just a guy who's lived out here a few years now on the island. Um, kind of lived in the Arlington Stanwood area for most uh, coming up uh, from high school on. And um, yeah, I've got uh, my wife Lisa and two kids, Caleb and Georgia. And they are an integral part of my life. And I have a restaurant here. Nice. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> I'm sure there's more. Good, good nutshell. Um, all right. So to start off with, uh, where did you go to school and what was your degree in? Um, I went to Linfield College in McMinnville, Oregon, and my degree was uh, a business management, actually. Okay. So, so then what, were you, what was the, the plan for that degree? I didn't exactly <laughs> have a plan. Um, I was always interested in the arts, um, did a lot in music and art department, things like that. Um, my business uh, advisor always said I was his, uh, his art student who got lost in the business department on the way to the art <laughs> lab. Uh, so I, I knew that I was able to um, draw things, paint things, sculpt things, play music. Um, all those things came kind of naturally. Uh, it was always great to hone them and learn from other people and get better at them. But I also knew that I needed uh, to know about business, know how things work, know how how to get myself out there, how to make money, how to use money, how to manage money. Um, I didn't know how to do any of that. So I went to business school, and it just seemed to make sense. I was pretty dead set against ever working for anyone, like right out of college. I bought some real estate started building properties, um, got quite a few of those built by the time everything collapsed 2008. Oh, <laughs> so no. took a, a pretty good dive there. And then, uh, and what, what area was that in? Uh, I did a lot in Everett, um, North Everett specifically, um, just building condos down there. Uh, we would buy lots if they had a house on it, plowed it, put 
you know, fourplex on there or threeplex or whatever. And when all that went south, I got a regular job working for Penske, um, some somewhere in between there. I was also a loan officer for a little while too, a couple of years, but um, doing both at the same time, housing and loans. <laughs> it didn't work out too well. Um, so I went to work for somebody, worked for Penske for six years or seven years. Uh, maybe not even that long. I can't recall anymore. Um, it was only four years, 2010 to 2014. And then... Uh, so what what were you doing for Penske? Just driving? Or? Uh, no, no, no. I was a, a branch rental manager. Um, was my last thing I did down at... Uh, First Avenue South and Spokane location in Seattle, um, which was like the busiest or the second busiest branch in the country. We would go back and forth between D.C. and us. Uh, so that was a hoot for a long time. Um, then I went to work uh, for a State Farm agent down in Bothell and got on a track to become an agent for State Farm. Um, they call it their aspirant program. I went through all of that um, over the next... <coughs> Three years, four years, just about three and three to four years, um, and I got all the way through the program. Actually, I got all the way to what they um, they called site ready or site interview ready, which basically meant I'd pick a spot and they would decide whether or not I should be in that spot and then go. Um, I I made it through everything, and one day just kind of decided I couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. I didn't like it. So um, how did you get connected? How did you connect it into the insurance? Was that uh, someone from Penske? Or? You know, oddly, that is uh, that was I was having a beer with a buddy of mine who I worked with at Penske um, for uh, up at the Everett branch before I was the rental manager down in Seattle, and he said, "I got this buddy who's a, a State Farm agent. He loves it. Um, you know, you're you're a sales guy. You've always been doing sales. You'd probably fit in really well. Why don't you talk to him?" So I said, yeah, why don't you hook me up with that guy? Um, I went and sat with him, interviewed really for like an hour or so. He didn't really have a position, but they're always looking for people and stuff. So um, at the end of it, he basically said, I don't need anyone right now, but I have a, a friend who's always looking. And that guy, his name is Chris Jones. Um, he's down in Bothell. And uh, I talked with Chris. I kind of meshed with the team and... Uh, and they said, all right, you could come work here. So I put in my notice at, uh, at Penske. I spent uh, spent two weeks studying and getting all my insurance licensing and all that stuff done. Um, and then I went to work at Chris. And, yeah, the rest was kind of what I told earlier. <coughs> yeah, so. well, and it, like, if you're working with insurance, you kind of, I guess you're working under that, whoever the main agent is, right? Yeah, but so. You kind of get to operate a little yeah, the way that uh, that it works is you yeah you you operate under the agent's license mm -hmm. that they're an agent, um, but as far as licensing goes, there's no difference uh, between just a regular producer that works for an agent mm -hmm. or an agent. Um, you know, it depends on how far you want to go down the licensing path. But we all had the same thing, um, so you're you're an insurance agent. You know, air quotes there, but. Um, yeah, I, I, you work for him, who's a contractor for State Farm, basically. Um, right. State Farm's a little different than a lot of the other insurance agencies where you don't just buy a book of business and they let you go do whatever you want. You have to 
go through their program. They basically pick you to go where they want you to go, or you you have choice there as well. But um, you know, they kind of groom you up from the beginning. So okay. it's the way I like to do things. I don't like to just jump in and wave my arms around <laughs> and wonder what I'm doing for a while. Although that <laughs> might seem like what I do here <laughs> most of the time. But I was um, gonna say you you pretty much jumped into the bake. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> um, so let, let's go ahead and switch over. Let's jump into that. So mm-hmm. when you started um, the Bait Cafe, you actually found us, which is fairly unusual as far as for us when we're looking at tenants, stuff like that. Like, usually it's us, uh, myself, going out and talking to different business owners, restaurant owners. Right. Um, but I remember I was passing through the marketplace and our one of our managers said, Hey, this guy's interested in the space over here. You want to talk to him? And I was like, sure. And um, you had already been kind of checking it out. And mm-hmm. um, what was, so you transitioned from the insurance and did you just end that and then start looking for another career? Or what, were, what was um, that? No, I kind of, I, I, I took the more underhanded approach, if you will. I, I, I kept working insurance for a little while. Um, I had no real intention of ever opening a restaurant and, in fact, it's something people have always told me, you should do this, open a restaurant, it'd be great, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, when your friends tell you you can sing, <laughs> <laughs> but you really can't, um, it's kind of that kind of thing. And I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a realist. I'm like, I'm not a chef. Like, I don't, I don't know how restaurants work. Um, you know, I can cook pretty well in a home kitchen setting and and everything. So I've just always looked at the idea as, as ridiculous. Um Plus, restaurants, you know, failure rate on restaurants is crazy, and I might not be the most risk-averse person out there, but I'm also, like, I take risks that I think are going to work, and I never really thought a restaurant would work out, and there's still time to find out if that works out or not. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I had no intention of doing it, and I I was making burgers at home one night and just playing with kind of, you know, recipes if you will different techniques of making burgers and i came here to grab some meat at del fox to go home and grind and make some burgers um on like a saturday or sunday morning and there was no uh no del fox and i thought that was odd because i i don't didn't come here that often but you know every couple weeks my son and i would come in and i wasn't here longer than like three weeks earlier than that and they were there um I think this was like early January or something mm-hmm. like that. So I just, I, it was Lindsay that was there. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, what's going on with this? And they're like, Oh, we're going to put a restaurant there. And I'm like, well, what? And she goes, ah, it's going to be food. And I was like, okay, so who do I talk to? And she looked at me and I was like, what, what do you mean? Who do you talk to? And I go, well, I might be interested in doing something there. So who do I talk to? And she ran around, Got me Jeff's card, um, and then, yeah, everything kind of went from there. Um, so it was, what, a three-month process to kind of get the ball rolling in that direction. I took the investment that I was going to make in the uh, State Farm business and put it into here, and me and my partner, Nate, um, spent, I think, April, first week of April we got mm-hmm. in. Uh, we spent all of April and May building and then yeah, June first we opened. So yeah, how did how did story. you and Nate get connected? I've known Nate since high school. He uh, 
he and I went to the same school together. Um, he was a year under me. Okay. And just always, we've been friends ever since. So. Yeah. But, uh, well, and I know one of the big things is when we're when we do talk to different tenants and stuff. Like, um, I just remember like my my dad was telling me like we need normally we're kind of pushing the ball and we're like okay are they, have they got us this have they got us this mm-hmm. and it was completely opposite when when we were working with you guys because he kept coming to me and being like so he's already given us this this and this and he's asking about like this next step can we get started on that yet right and um so that was i mean it's encouraging for our side to be like wow this guy's really like he's with it because he's trying to get this thing moving so yeah, I don't like to beat around the bush or waste a lot of time with things. Like, once I decide to do stuff, I'm just, I'm doing it. And I usually get things together pretty quickly and and go from there. So it's, uh, I, I do jump in with both feet pretty quickly yeah. on a lot of things. Once you've made the decision. You're exactly. Like, right, once it, it, the, the hard part is making the decision. Um, you know, definitely family was involved, talking to my wife a bunch about it, um, getting you know to know that that was something that was okay that she's willing to commit with that because it's it's a huge commitment Mm -hmm. and it's a huge commitment with no return for a while i mean there's 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 no money (laughs) in the restaurant business for a few years you know it it takes a while to right to get that going um and so we had to both be ready for that and well and the time commitment because when you first started it was you and so you were here all day, all seven days a week. Yeah, I mean, and it was me and Nate, um, you know, but, but yeah, we were both here seven days a week for 10 or 12 hours a day um, just to build out the place and get it ready for a month and a half, you know. So uh, towards the end, we pretty much had it done, mm-hmm. and it was just waiting on the health department, which drove me crazy. <laughs> so, <clears throat> all right, so then... Um, everyone is kind of like used to like fast food or even, or like regular restaurants where you order your food and you can be like, well, I'd like to get the burger, but can I get it with this and not that or yeah. this? Um, I want, I want you to dive into your philosophy of why you, why you serve your burgers as is and mm-hmm. don't allow customization. Um, well, we do allow a little bit of customization and I, I guess I'm loosening up more and more on that. Um, cause I'm been tired of trying to explain to people every time the the hows and the whys and and all of that stuff. Um, But it's a very specific flavor profile um, that our burgers have. And, you know, it's it's a representation of me and my creativity. Um, And I think it's maybe a different approach than most people take with food. Um, I love my customers. I love the people. I love the interaction and everything. But it's also an expression of of me, um, and I'm, I'm a little stubborn on that maybe. Um, but the, the real reason behind the burgers is, is I went down a weird road a couple years back where I, I really dive into things and study them and go, go pretty deep. And, um, I came across a guy named George Motes, who is also kind of like me. He, he's very creative. He's a, he, he has a production company, he's a photographer, all that kind of stuff. Um, but he also has like a, a knack for the history of things. And he really dove into the history of, of the American hamburger. And he wrote a book called Hamburger America, which kind of takes you through, um, all the real legendary burgers in the country. And, and I found out it's, it's very regional, 
Um, you know, you have the burger belt that's kind of like from Oklahoma and central Texas uh, that heads pretty much northeast. Um, Cincinnati, Ohio, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken there, Louis Lunch was the first place that ever served what's known as a hamburger today. And they took what was called a hamburger steak and slapped it between two pieces of toast. And um, the way they do it today still is there's an onion round on there and they cook it in these weird vertical broilers so you can't put cheese on it. So it's just a burger with an onion round kind of pressed into it and grilled uh, vertically on, in these broilers. And then uh, the only topping that they allow in the restaurant, at least up until recently, was they, they would put a tomato slice on it um, if they were fresh and in season. And then they had mustard. And the the whole reason behind that was burgers really came into fashion in this country in like the 20s and 30s. Um, is kind of like the heyday of burgers and there was no refrigeration commonly available. So you couldn't transport produce across mm -hmm. the country. So the places that ended up coming out with burgers with lettuce and tomatoes and all of that, the garden toppings, if you will, um, were on the coasts because they could get, you know, California and Florida could grow produce. Um, but the middle of the country, you had, a small section of time where those things were available. So most places, pickles, onions, and mustard were things that didn't require refrigeration and were prevalent. Mm -hmm. So um, that's that was where I started. And, you know, we all had this concept of, you know, a big, good burgers, this giant thing with lettuce, tomato, onions, jalapenos. Whatever else. Aged cheeses and things like that. Um but it turns out when you just simplify it and you cut all that stuff out, you just let the beef and the bun really shine. And then the pickles and onions and mustard complement the fat content and the things in there. So, I mean, I, I got really nerdy about it. To, to answer your question in a very, very, very short um, paragraph, I, I nerded out and I found out that the best way to do a burger was smash it on a griddle, throw some really good quality American cheese on it, which... I know people like to look at it and go, that's not real cheese. Um, it is. Uh, read the ingredients on our cheese. We use Hilldale American cheese, and it's, uh, it's cheese. It is processed, and that processing is basically shredding actual cheese, cheddar cheese, and uh, adding a little bit of uh, condensed milk or evaporated milk. I can't remember which one. Um, and then letting it solidify into the block that it becomes. So it's mm -hmm. it's... It's cheese with 100% dairy product. There's yeah. there's nothing else in it. Um, but that just turned out to be the best way to have a burger, in, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people have started to agree with that. Um, get rid of all the other stuff and, you know, focus on good quality beef. We use local fresh beef that's all USDA prime, hormone-free, antibiotic-free. We grind it fresh every morning. We take an entire chuck. Um, shoulder, we cut it up, throw it in the grinder. Which is why he sometimes runs out. Which of is me. why we run out <laughs> because we only grind one shoulder a day. Um, Saturdays we're actually starting to grind two, but we're still, you know, still running out. Um, that and we can only make so many buns a day. You know, right. it's, I mean, we, we're limited by our capacity of what we can make. So well, and I think that I mean the reason so many other, um, whether it's franchises or even other burger restaurants, um, end up having to do. Um, 
end up throwing all the condiments and everything else, extra things on a burger and stuff, is because you they don't have the same quality of beef. Uh, it's not freshly ground. Right. Um, so you, the quality of the beef's not there. So you they can don't mask that. They don't want you to focus on right. that. And the yeah. buns are usually frozen buns from wherever they can find them. Right. So again, you don't want. They don't want you focusing on the bun. They want you focusing on what they threw on top of it to make it something else. Yeah, and that's that's been something. The mid two thousands, things got weird with burgers. Um, is when like all the the hotshot chefs started like coming out and oh, I can make a burger, I can make a burger, and they got all these super fancy burgers, which is where the whole gourmet burger thing just started going out of control, you know. Um, and it was about three years ago. I, I don't know what happened, but it's like everybody had this idea all at the same time, and and I follow a lot of people in the burger world, if you will. Um, we all kind of went, you know what? Let's let's get back to simple, um, smash a high quality beef on a real hot griddle and just let it get nice and crispy and throw it on a good fresh bun and don't uh don't mess with it with a lot of things um and that it's it's happening all over the place i mean there was just a article in um bon appetit about you know it was titled thin is in um and it's these smash burgers are are kind of taking the the country by storm again it's funny because we're you know we, we're repeating history we're going back to right you know 1946 right now but um people taste them and they're like wow this is the best burger i've ever had and it's like have you not traveled around or had had a, just a good old-fashioned hamburger before um yeah. which kind of surprised me because the burgers were a complete afterthought they were a, a reason to stay open past noon because the whole idea is a breakfast place anyway mm-hmm. um which kind of started with me smashing burgers but I, I never really wanted to do a burger place <laughs> um we were focused on the breakfast sandwiches um which we still are i mean we yeah. still we still make quite a few breakfast sandwiches a day but Burgers took off. Yeah, burgers took off. And, and yeah. I didn't expect it, actually. Uh, you know, it was it was funny because at the very beginning we did these, uh, we called our cheeseburger, uh, and it, it was a, a two-ounce, two two-ounce patties. Like So it was like a double cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole idea was that it was just more surface area to smash and get that, uh, that Maillard reaction, that griddle crunch that you get on our burgers and uh, and a little bit more cheese. And people kept coming up, looking at the menu, saying, well, I don't want a double. I, I just want a single. Mm-hmm. And so we'd give them a single with one two-ounce patty, and it was too much bun. And they, you know, the complaints that we heard, you know, and I can't say complaints because we asked people to give us our their opinions and everything, was uh, uh, that this two-ounce patty is not going to fly. And I was like, well, it wasn't supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to be four ounces of beef from the get-go. Uh, so we messed around with bun size, trying to get things right. We upped the patty size to like three and a half. And then finally we brought it up to the full quarter pound, what it is now. And then everyone's like, ah, this is good. <laughs> and so I'm sitting here going, a little face palm there sometimes. Like I, I that was, the, this was the right amount of meat from the beginning that we tried, but, um, but this is what people wanted. So this is what we stuck with. Um, yeah. It was yeah. kind of funny how that ended up. But. Yeah. Well, I didn't know a lot of the history about hamburgers. I mean, I've if you ask my wife, like, whenever she's like, well, what, if there's a go-to meal for me, it's mm-hmm. hamburger, like, right. always. So any night that she's like, I don't know what to make, she's like, I, I could make hamburger and he'd be happy every night. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I can always eat a burger. I think most people could yeah. pretty much always eat a burger. Well, um, and I think the other thing is that um, there are so many places that have created, you know, that you can go get a burger now. But, like, it's hard to find, like, like what you've created now, mm-hmm. a high-quality, just great burger. Right. Um, I've, you know, there's times where, like, if you watch cooking shows or something, you, like, see a really good burger or something, you're like, oh, that's what I want to get. And then you're like, so what do I have? I've got uh, McDonald's down the road. i got burgers. <laughs> right. like, you're like, there's no place to get, like, a real good burger. And now yeah. the fact that it's right below where I – or in the same building I work, it's very dangerous. But, I really, <laughs> like, there's so many days that I end up getting a burger instead of my lunch because right. it's like I walk by to go get my lunch, and I'm like, no, mm, I burger think I'll just get a burger. <laughs> Um, no, I get. I mean, I would, I, I'm the same way with with things. You know, I, I've worked in places where you know I always loved a, a good bon mi sandwich or something along those lines. And in places I've worked are right next door to some of the best. Um, I don't know. I can't say really the best in the in the country, but definitely some of the best in the area. Literally right next door to me. Mm-hmm. Like I can just walk in yep. my door or walk out my door, walk in their door. And yeah, I'd sit there. I know I have lunch in the fridge, but <laughs> no, I get that. Yeah. No. So that's been, I mean, yeah, I, for sure. When you guys first opened and I was like, all right, I'm going to get a burger. And it was like, Oh, there's not like, it's just all that it is. is like the onion yeah. mustard and pickles. And, um, but then I ate it. I was like, wow, I don't think I've had a burger like that before. <laughs> Yeah, it's really funny, and still a lot of people, um, you know, that that live out here, locals, still don't know we're here, and they're coming in for their first time, and mm-hmm. we hand them a burger, and they look at us, and they're like, <laughs> that's it, where's the lettuce and tomato, you know? And uh, I go, oh, we, we don't do that. Um, I think to this day, I've had about three people actually walk out of the restaurant because we don't do lettuce and tomato, and it's fine with me. I, I understand that, but uh, I would wish to see people like step out of their comfort zone a little bit and give it a try. Um, and then if you try it and you legitimately don't like it, that's fine. Um, I, I think it's always been the thing where I'm always willing to try something. So when I Mm -hmm. see somebody who's not willing to try something, it as a business owner, it frustrates me a little bit, but I understand I've pigeonholed myself into this spot. So it's, it's not that big a deal for me. Um, but I just, yeah, it's just odd to me that mm-hmm. some people aren't willing to try things. And, you know, I I get it, but it, it is a little bit weird. Yeah. But but I think that's most people's reaction after they have it. They're like, wow, this is really good. This is simple. This doesn't have all this stuff that you really right. don't need on there. Yeah. Um, and look, I eat burgers with lettuce and tomato on there sometimes. <laughs> I It's not like oh, I... It's out, guys. <laughs> right? <laughs> It's not that I hate them. Um, one of the things I do know is the first thing I'm going to yank off a burger is the tomato. I'm going to take right. one bite, and I'm going to go, that tomato's out of season. It doesn't taste like a tomato. It just adds a lot of wet, mealy slime, you know, slime to a burger. Exactly. It doesn't do anything for it. And so, you know, I'll usually give it a shot with the tomato if it's served to me that way. And then if, if I don't think the tomato's good, I'll take it off. Um, lettuce for me is... It, it's... It adds very little. Um, even if you go with like a you know a butter lettuce or a leafy lettuce or something with a little more flavor than um, than iceberg, it, it doesn't add a lot. If you're if you do it right and you get the iceberg on there, it, it adds a little crunch. Um, so it brings some texture to it. 
Uh, and it does add some flavor, but um, but it's like you said earlier, it just kind of takes away from from the the beef and the bun and everything else. And yeah. that's that's really what we're trying to showcase is that a, a good quality bun with good quality beef and good quality cheese put together very simply yeah. can be very good. Yeah. And so now we've talked about that. I want to jump into the series you did on the Bob's uh, <laughs> Burgers cookbook, yeah. which is opposite of what we were just talking about. Yeah, but exactly. Um, they <laughs> were, it was so much fun as you uh, were going through them. Um, what was kind of your inspiration for and that? And we're still doing that, by the way. Every Friday we're doing a, 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 a burger out of Bob's Burger. And the inspiration was literally just Bob's Burgers. Um, when I first started this, a lot of people were like, wow, you're, you're Bob, you know, and I was like, eh, maybe not. And I started watching it. I'd never actually watched Bob's Burgers before. I started watching it and I'm like, wow, this is, I mean, obviously there's plenty of cartoon things that happen <laughs> that just aren't realistic in real life. Um, but at the same time I'm watching this and I was like, eh, this is, this is very strikingly similar. Um, and I had, I bought the Bob's Burger cookbook, um, on a whim, I don't know, eight months ago or so. We didn't have it when we first started, uh, but I bought it just as something fun for people to look through and, and whatnot when we were in there. And I, that's, I've also brought Moza's two books in, um, Hamburger America and, uh, his, I can't remember what the cookbook's called, but it's the American hamburger or something to that effect. Um, and I got the Bob's burger book in at the same time and we started thumbing through it. And then, uh, when, uh, when Naked City closed down, um, Chef John from over there came came over to work uh, for me for you know a few days a week, and we're thumbing through the book and we had talked about doing this Bob's Burger thing. And then when he got on there, I, I had some help, a little more firepower in the kitchen. You know, it, it's tough when it's a, one or two people there all the time mm -hmm. to pull off all these specials and. Yeah. Uh, we were doing the weekly special before that for a long time that either came from something regional out of, uh, out of Moza's book. You know, we kind of explored the Midwest and a, a few other things. Um, and then we did a lot of our own creations as well. Um, and I just, I was getting tired, you know, mentally the, the having to think about a new thing all the time, uh, gets a little tough after a while. And just looking at the Bob's Burgers book, I was like, well, why don't we try and make a few of these? I did make one before, or two, actually. I made the Eggers Can't Be Cheesers and the Pickle My Funny Bone Burger um, as specials, weekly specials, a while back. Um, so, yeah, that as far as inspiration goes, it was literally just a cookbook that I had that were like, why don't we find out if these are good? Because those other two that I did were actually pretty good. So we did the week of Bob's Burgers, which was a new burger a day. Um, and we did, I think we actually ended up doing eight burgers. Um, I can't remember them all, but, uh, there was the final kraut down was the last one we did, uh, which was just a burger with sauerkraut and Swiss cheese, basically. Um, I am blanking on all of the rest of them. Home for the holidays, uh, with the holobun, um, some potato latkes, mm -hmm. applesauce, sour cream, you know, was just the all Brussels these... sprout one? Was the that Brussels that sprout week? one, uh, I think was later actually on. after that. We did okay. that one later on, um, which was also great The do the Brussels. Um, and it was Brussels sprouts and bacon and, and they were all like, like yeah. grilled. And so they're fried. Exactly. Like, they're they're oh, all they were so crispy good. and delicious. Um, we did the um, a good manchego is hard to find. 
which was a manchego cheese with like a bacon jam on it and um yeah, all of these burgers, every time we had one, we're like, wow, that's really good. The, the Bet It All on Black Garlic Burger was probably the one that like sold out the quickest, for sure. Yeah. I think we sold it out completely in like 20 minutes from when we released it. And then we went over to Brooklyn Brothers and begged for more mozzarella cheese, uh, <laughs> borrowed enough to do like six more burgers, and sold through those in like another hour or so. So, yeah, about an hour and a half or so total time. Uh, to sell through everything we had, which isn't a ton when we do the specials. We only make enough for like 10 or 12 of them. But I think we sold almost 20 of those black garlic burgers in like an hour and a half. Um, Any chance of that one coming back? Probably. I still have a bunch of black garlic. Uh, we might do it once we're done with the... I, I, I really kind of want to cook all the way through the book. Okay. Just, it, it's, it's really just try and find something bad. Yeah. They're all good. Um, some of them are better than others. Some of them were just duds. I think uh, the... One we did on a whole grain bun with kale. Um, I can't remember what the burger's called, uh, but <laughs> it, it was on a whole grain bun with kale, so that kind of speaks for itself. <laughs> um, I think we only sold three or so of those. <laughs> it wasn't uh, it wasn't a big hit. Had a lot of whole grain buns that went bad. <laughs> but no, we're we're gonna keep going. Um, my favorite one is still the the bet it all on black garlic. It just had a really interesting pl- flavor. Profile. When you made like a special sauce for it and everything, right? Yeah, it had a, a black garlic mayo um, that was like That's black right. garlic and sriracha, so it was a little spicy. Okay. The black garlic, if you don't know what that is, it's like a aged uh, fermented garlic that is literally black and it's got a consistency of tar, so it's really hard to work with. Um, but it's really sweet and like just a really condensed garlic flavor. Mm. Like imagine roasted garlic, but like ten times more intense. Yeah, uh, is kind of what it is. So. All right. So um, are there any exciting projects or things that you're working on with the Bake Cafe that we should be aware of coming up? Um, exciting projects right now are just trying to uh, to survive. <laughs> um, we've had uh, some incidences where pretty much everyone's been uh, injured or um, one way or another incapacitated over the last uh, couple weeks. So, so we're just trying to get by. Um, right now, but, um, I always have like this pie in the sky, like plan of doing stuff. Um, like I just bought this big 36 inch Blackstone griddle, which is basically like the griddle that we have, um, in the restaurant, but it's mobile. Um, and I would like, don't, don't hold me to this if it doesn't (laughs) happen. Um, but we're doing the cars and coffee right now. And for kind of a final summer, um, you know, maybe the mid-September one uh, to do like a pancake feed or something like that outside uh, where we kind of take over the whole parking lot and yeah. just, uh, just you know, do something like that. Uh, maybe do a fundraiser or something. Um, I really uh, kind of, the whole Freedom Park thing is something that I, I like to see continue. And, and I know we're always in peril on that one with funding because it's a private park it's uh yeah. you know a lot of people have no idea that it's not a city funded deal yeah, yeah. um and it's a, it's a great place but uh and it really adds to the island yeah it adds to the island and, and yeah. everything but but it, it costs a lot to keep it up and mm-hmm. you know taxes and maintenance and everything is is a lot so uh, i really do want to do a, a thing for that so i'm thinking that would be something we'd do yeah um and then other than that i i'd love to kind of 
do some stuff outside here. I keep uh, like gesturing towards the middle, but you can't see me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, like uh, some movies or something like that. And yeah, we've, we've talked about done that. Yeah, yeah, we've we've I've talked about it too with the, the Brooklyn Brothers guys, and it just it. It's really hard to do all of these things and mm-hmm. uh, have real life and, and, and run, run, a, run yeah. a business at the same time and, and manage everything. So um, I kind of feel like really busy but not productive all the time, <laughs> which drives me crazy. I but think that's most business owners feel that. Yeah, feel exactly. Like a hamster in a wheel instead of like moving forward, you're just spinning <laughs> the wheel. Exactly. exactly. It just doesn't stop. I get home at the end of the day and I'm like, I'm exhausted and I have no energy left. But And then uh, your wife says, what'd you do today? And you're like, <sighs> <laughs> most of the time I, I get home and she looks at me and says, well, what do I need to do? Uh, my wife's great, actually. Uh, she's been really supportive of this and you know she comes in late at night um right now we're transitioning the baking over to josh so he's he's not going to be so much working the restaurant anymore but full-time baking um we took on um doing uh bread for tapped and we're also going to be uh, doing some bread uh for sale uh, which is a new brewery uh, that's opening up in stanwood here pretty soon um so we're taking on more um like wholesale. Yeah, more wholesale yeah. kind of stuff, That's which excellent. means we have to have a full-time baker, um, whereas before we've always just kind of baked when we could fit it in, um, which is an interesting transition because you're taking a guy who's, you know, does everything, counter, cooks, mm-hmm. cleans, does all these things, and asking him to just focus on one thing. Right. Um, and then we have to adjust to that. So, and my wife's going to start working again here over next, uh, next week. She's going back. She's going to teaching again. Um, which means that we can't use her to help around right. here. Um, so yeah, trying to figure out the labor to fill that gap. Um, well, that's great. Is difficult. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good, good problem to have. It's exactly. It's not the worst in the world. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's going to take some transition and everything. So, yeah. um, well, yeah, I mean, I can say for myself and for everyone that I've talked to that goes to bake cafe. And of course, mm-hmm. like my brother-in-law is like, Jesse's a genius with, <laughs> he's like, everything he makes is just amazing. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. I'm really not though. I, I just, a lot of what I, what I do is stuff that I picked up, um, because I, I would call myself almost a super nerd when it comes to, uh, things like that. So I've just dug deep and really stole a bunch of ideas from other people that have already done it. Yeah. (laughs) But of course that's, you know, that is part of it. Like going, not many people go that far back to get to the roots of burgers. That's true. That's true. Um, all right. So I always end the podcast with mm-hmm. some rapid fire questions. All right. Um, so we'll just get jump into it. Um, do you have a lesser known or favorite location on Kamano Island that you like to hang out? Um, two blazes I like to hang out. Um, one, if you know me at all, you know I hang out at Ale Spike um, Brewery down by the uh, airport. Um, Chris and Lena run the place. It's great. They make great beer. Um, I have to stay away because beer makes me fat. And, <laughs> but I love beer. Um, and I always love the company. There's always a good group of people there. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just a nice place to end a week. Just hang out, mm-hmm. sit there, have a couple beers and eat, uh, one of Kenny's hot dogs. So, um, the other thing I love being out on pretty much any of the water around here. Um, you know, I go out off of Utsalati a lot, um, go crabbing or whatever, take the kids out. Um, I don't personally own a boat, but I have friends with boats and also 
people who like to go crabbing a lot. So there's always an opportunity <laughs> to jump in a boat and uh, and run out there. Yeah. So. All right. Pretend you have a friend um, from out of town coming into town. Uh, what would their first day look like here? Is this permanently or is this just like vacation? Just okay. vacation. They're coming to visit and you're just trying to show them a representation of Camino. Um, I like to bring a lot of people uh, down to uh, the state park. Um, I think that's, you know, kind of gets a good variety of, of on the way down there shows a lot of the island. Um, definitely take them out here. I think Terry's Corner is great. The whole commons area is, is a great place to hang out. Um, and then from there, yeah, I, I usually take someone to Ale Spike or, or whatever, you know, we'd go, mm -hmm. go, um, go out that way. Iverson Beach, um, you know, people are always coming in wondering where to go or what to do around here. Right, right. And, uh, and it's tough because, you know, we only have three or four real public accessible beaches. Um, the rest of it is private. Um, but they're great beaches. They're great places to go. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, uh, Cama Beach is always cool. You know, um, yeah, all the state park stuff really. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Who is the most interesting person in this community that I should interview next? That's a good question because there's a ton of interesting people out here. Mm -hmm. um, you can give a list too if you if you think of a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, man. I, you know, anytime I'm faced with like giving a list or something, I just blank um, unless I have something right off the bat. Um, I definitely think that uh, I, I mentioned their names earlier, Chris and Lena. Um, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're a hoot. They're fun. Um, and perhaps it's just because our sense of humor is kind of meshed together. Um, also, really, what I found interesting are, are just the people that hang out here. Um, if you hang out here all day long, you'll notice there's about 20 or so people that are almost always here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you got Chuck and Ken and Bill and Bev and all of those crowds um, that I've found to be very interesting. Um, I've also met a lot of people through uh, doing the Cars and Coffee and forgive me if you're listening to this, but I don't remember half of people's names because I'm terrible with names. Um, you know, but, uh, but there's John and Ryan. Um, Lance, Wayne. Um, just people that have had interesting history with cars. I, I really, I've always, always loved cars. I've been fascinated by cars and, and that kind of to me, that's why I do the cars and coffee because I, I don't have time to uh, go down to Redmond Town Center or go even to Marysville or anything like that on those ones. Um, and plus, I've always just thought it's it, this place lends itself on a mm -hmm. Saturday morning. It's usually not too busy before right. ten o'clock, so if we get in and take over, and you know, people actually seem to enjoy it. So yeah, well, and your um, very first one you did, it was a. Like, you had a lot more people, because I think it was, like, a week before, you're like, well, I'm thinking about doing this thing. Yeah. I'm just going to put it out there and see what, and a lot of, you know, quite a few people showed up to the very first one, so I think that mm -hmm. proved that you were on to something. Yeah, it definitely did. I think we had, uh, we had, like, 30, 35 cars in total that showed up on that first one. Yeah. And it's just kind of grown yeah. since, um, you know, sometimes we have, I think the most cars we've ever had out there at one time was 38 and I think it was like 42 if I include the motorcycles. 
Um, but then, you know, we start at seven and end at 10. So there's usually a chance for people to cycle in and out. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll have 38 there all at once and 10 or 15 of them that have left and more come. So, uh, you know, I'm calling it a solid 50. Yeah. That seems to be the norm. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's different people that show up every time or people that have multiple cars and come out with different cars every time. So, um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, no, that's very cool. All right, lastly, if you could have a message on a billboard on Camino Island, right as you're driving onto the island, what would it say? You know, I, I would love it to say, come check out the Bake Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good uh, answer. Uh, yeah, I think it, it's, it's, um, no, it, yes, I want to sign out that, that people can see off the road. That would be awesome. But, uh, but really, just enjoy yourself. Look around. Um, it's it'd say way too much to drive by. <laughs> so uh, just enjoy your time out here. It's uh, but but don't move out here because we're full. Um, <laughs> no. That was uh, one of the my previous guests, uh, Mike yeah. Nestor, mentioned that he's like, enjoy the island, but don't <laughs> let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> no, it, it's funny because it's it's one of these little communities that um, you know. I, I've, I'm a newcomer here. I've only been here for four years now. Um, I did grow up, like I said, between Arlington and, well, Arlington is where I did most of my growing up, and then I moved out to Stanwood. Um, so I've always come out to Camino, um, and then I've always left. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I got married 12 years ago, and there's a little debate on whether that's correct or not right now. Uh, <laughs> but my parents moved out to Camino basically right after, um, after I moved out, um, got married and, you know, everything. And, um, and they've been out here ever since. And just in the last 12 years, this place has exploded. Right. And, uh, and I remember it even from when I was in high school, just being super rural. You know, I, I remember when this whole Terry's corner thing was built mm-hmm. in the way that it was, you know, it, yeah. it's, uh, and that's not very long ago, but it's really exploded. So, right. um, not that we don't like more people coming and not that I can really stand and say anything since I'm fairly new myself. <laughs> uh, but it is getting a little crowded out here. And, yeah. and that's our, you know, what's charming about it is kind of small and, and a tight community. I think that's, that's what's really great about it. So enjoy your time, enjoy the beaches, enjoy the people. And uh, get out and try some food too. There's actually a bunch of great places out here. Um, you know, we got Taft that just opened. Uh, we've got the Rockaway, the Camel Beach Cafe, um, the Elder Base, or I forget what they, it's Kara's Kitchen down there, um, and then you have Tai all the way down. In fact, somebody was just telling me about their pastrami down there, which kind of hits close to home because we're always doing pastrami here now. Um, but I got to get down and try that. Yeah. And if I'm forgetting someone, I'm sure I'll get called out on it. But. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, thank you so much for yeah. joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, I feel like uh, I'm looking at the timer here. It's 45 minutes and 54 <laughs> seconds of me rambling. So I apologize if I got rambly. No, it was um, really interesting. I love the the history on the burgers and, and why you, you know, I love hearing kind of the background of why people um, create the restaurant, create mm-hmm. their creations the way they choose to do. Because there's always a reason. There's It's never just like people throw it out there and just like, right. well, that's what I decided to do. There's always more behind it. So I love hearing that. Yeah, and I think it also had something to do with 
you go to any place that serves a burger and a burger comes with lettuce and tomato and pickles and onions are usually on the side and then they don't serve any condiments on there because they're they're afraid to you know put whatever's on there you know you don't want people afraid to eat the burger if they don't like mustard or whatever it is um and so it was important to me to be a little different too on top of yeah. on top of being historically accurate and kind of going you know the way that it used to be done um yeah be a little different um there was <laughs> there was lots of pushback at the beginning <laughs> no lettuce and tomato what are you talking about i have a joke i have a a, a good customer um, ryan i mentioned earlier about cars um i was uh i was getting ready to uh, i saw him in line and i actually had some tomatoes from uh, from the previous market day and uh, they handed me a tupperware full of tomatoes to put on their burgers so um yeah we definitely had that but just being different i think is is what we're after yeah well, anyway, thanks for joining yeah, me. Yeah, thanks podcast. for having me. It was good to uh, good to get away, good to talk for a little bit, and yeah. now we can at forty seven minutes probably let everyone go about their day. All right. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me on the podcast today, no and listeners, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Jesse Childress for joining us on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. If you haven't already, do yourself a favor: stop by the Bay Cafe and pick up one of their cheeseburgers. You will not regret it. Just wanted to throw that in there. And also, if you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And for more information on this podcast or previous ones, go to kamenocommons.com slash podcast. That's kamenocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.